Hey guys, what's up? This is episode two of Tales of the People podcast, and uh, today I have with me Vicky Lau, who um, I'm very excited to have on because she is a visual effects designer for films, television, and computer programming. And she's originally from Singapore, but she made the move at age 18 to go to the United States to work in Hollywood, which um, in retrospect is a good decision, but I'm, I'm sure at the time was a scary decision. So uh, Vicky, you can introduce yourself now. All right. So hello, everyone. My name is Vicky. And uh, as he's already introduced, I do visual effects for film and TV. And basically, in short, I make movie magic work. All right. That's that's a very simple way to put what you do, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so you're from Singapore originally, right? So where yes. did your influence come um, in Singapore? What did, was there a lot of Western media available in Singapore or was it more Singaporean media that, you know, influenced you in visual effects? That's a smart speculation. So, yes, we have a lot of Western media here in Singapore, but at the same mm-hmm. time, we also have some local production. So it's a healthy mix of both, although I do have to say that the ones that people tend to gravitate to, especially the younger generation, is the Western media. Right. Um, yeah, because, I mean, understandably, I guess, Western media is looked at as kind of the pinnacle, I guess. Yes, Would in some sense. Yeah, right, definitely. Yeah. So, and while you were growing up, what, what shows or movies that you remember vividly being like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that? Um, I mean, there wasn't like a movie that inspired me to do visual effects, but if we're talking about memorable movies in general, there's obviously like Titanic, <laughs> uh, there's, right, yeah. there's Casper, um, there's a few other like natural disaster based movies. Those are popular in Singapore, right. <laughs> I guess, because like we're such a safe country. So having those exciting movies are, you know, kind of what stimulates people. Yeah. It's a different perspective, right? Yeah. So how did that kind of impact and affect your perspective in art itself? Um, so, uh, well, let's just say like the arts here in Singapore, they aren't really as respected. And actually, I would even go as far as to say like the arts aren't really, you know, as respected and revered in most Asian cultures. I think mainly because especially the older generation, they tend to see artists as jobs that cannot make a sustainable living, um, which in some sense, in some sense, they aren't wrong because to be honest, most of the people I met here in Singapore, they aren't exactly that creative either (laughs) so i I would say like the impact that you're asking about it the only impact on me is that i know that the only way for me to thrive in my field is to get out of singapore singapore that's a yeah that's that's easier said than done right so at what point in time did you realize this is what i want to do for my life um Excellent question. So I wouldn't say that I have a specific moment where I realized something like that. To me, Mm -hmm. I just sort of, when I was 14, you know, I was given like a camcorder and being a quiet, introverted person, I didn't have any friends. So that, (laughs) yeah, that device sort of became a vehicle for self-expression. So it grew grew from there. um, And that's, that's how it naturally led to that direction. Right. Now, as I said earlier, you made a, a crazy decision to move out to um, Hollywood. Is it like actually Hollywood or was it just any part of the U.S.? Which part of the U.S. did you go to first? Uh, it was actually Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> right. Oh, for, for university. And then yes. you uh, moved out to Hollywood. So yeah. how was that move to the U.S.? It was uh, 
normal. I, I, I didn't experience a culture shock. Um, I guess, unlike, I guess most people, um, to me, it was just like a normal move. I just adapted to the environment. Um, right. so yeah. And were you worried or scared at the time? You know, like actually, you know, what was going through your mind at the time when you were making these decisions? Uh, I was just excited. That's all. <laughs> right. You were ready. You were ready to go. Just um, excited to actually yes. be more into it. What, what did you do in university? Uh, well, I basically kind of pursued the same thing. I did visual effects at right. the Savannah College of Art and Design. So, yeah. Right. And what were your first few jobs when you were kind of graduated? Um, so this is an interesting one because like my first official industry job was actually before I graduated and it was like working on The Walking Dead. Right. Um, yeah, so con- really cool. I know. And it was even before I graduated. So that was even, right. <laughs> even better. Um, yes. Yeah. So contrary to popular belief, I didn't actually go out and network, you know, for mm. that. Like my work did the networking for me in that sense. So right. That's how it sort of happened. That's actually interesting because my next question was going to be like, how did you uh, make those connections? So for you, you know, like I, I, I guess, I guess there's two ways to do it. The first is by using your, you know, your, your personality or whatever to get out there, meet people. But your way was actually producing work and your work speaking for itself. Yes. So most of the time, um, the the projects that come to me, I didn't go out and seek out those projects, they came to me because of my portfolio that already existed. Um, so, yeah. That's actually, that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people do good work, well, at least from outside looking in, and I think a lot of people do good work, but the fact that, you know, um, not many people come to them, right? You kind of have to yeah. go through some rejection and some failure before. That's you know, true. You work, on, you work on The Walking Dead, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, and in addition to The Walking Dead, you worked on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is incredibly cool. I think it's one of the best comedies out right now. And uh, Aquaman, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Planet yeah. of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do on, uh, on the big three movies? What did you do on those ones? Uh, okay, so I'll start with Guardians of the Galaxy. So that one, I will that, say... That, that, that was a very funny movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Um, yeah. So I was the stereoscopic compositor on that movie. So essentially what I do is I make... Uh, I transform the 2D movie to a 3D movie, the one where you wear the 3D glasses in the cinema. Oh. That's, what, that's one of my roles for that movie. For Aquaman, right. um, I was like a post-vis compositor slash artist. So basically I was sort of in a team that was involved in planning out the visual effects post-production before they become finalized, if that makes sense. Okay, and what about Planet of the Apes? Um, same thing. That was the same as Aquaman. It was also at the same company, so it's uh, conveniently oh. the same. <laughs> right, yeah, so you got to work on two movies in one. And um, now Brooklyn nine what did you do for that one? So that one, it was actually only a few visual effects shots. What I did was uh, replace a few logos in the background as well as, like, change the graffiti. So sometimes when you shoot TV or film, you know, there'll be, like, brands that you're not supposed to show, obviously, because mm-hmm. they didn't clear the names. So that's what was happening. Um, at the same time, sort of, like, creating complex effects in terms of removing uh, an existing character from a shot and then replacing it with something else. Wow, and do you remember what episode? Of no. Book of Nine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't that was a long time ago. That was like oh, it was a long time ago. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, so probably like season one or two, actually, very early on. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so what was your favorite experience um, in terms of Aquaman and Guardians of the Galaxy? Do you uh, have any? Well, n- I guess no. <laughs> yeah, but you were more in, you were more in post production, which means that you weren't actually on set. Well, well, no, I was actually behind the computer screens mostly. Yeah. Right. So that so you you didn't uh, you unfortunately didn't meet any of the actors or anything. Um, no, but yes, at the same time, no, because it's not part of my job. But yes, I did meet one actor from The Walking Dead. Um, it was not part of the job, but I met him anyway. Uh, he, uh, David Morrissey, the governor from The Walking Dead. I don't know if you watched the show. I, I did watch Walking Dead for about four seasons. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so you probably know because that yeah, was... I know him, but I just don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so probably The Walking Dead is a kind of uh, it kind of got repetitive understandably because i mean how many times can you really escape zombies with it being interesting yeah Um, that's true yeah so um yeah that was a a good show though i mean i liked it yeah um yeah so i met him uh in person and i went up to him and said hey you know i worked on your episode and (laughs) (laughs) and um well well in terms of um giving advice to younger persons in the industry, what would you say is, you know, the best way to land any opportunities in the industry? Um, in general, I would say it's important to love what you do because visual effects especially requires a lot of man hours, a lot of hours. So one of my jobs at one time, it was 80 hours a week. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so right. you have to really love your work to death. And the other thing is you also got to work really hard. Like, yeah. really, yeah. Yeah, and well, what's the best way, um, speaking from, from your perspective on how you, you know, how they call you from Walking Dead, what's the best way for an artist to get their work out there? Because I see the problem now is that, like, you have all these avenues for creation, right? I mean, across the board in music, movies, TV shows, you have a lot of ways, you know, and an independent person can now become big, right? Um, because of their quality. But how 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 do you um, advise young people get themselves out there and get their work out there? Um, well, is I guess in general, it's kind of the same way I just responded. So you have to work really hard in order to do right. that, and also you have to like love like the passion would naturally come through. Um, if you really love what you're doing. So, for example, if I compare uh, fresh artists with a lot of passion but zero connections versus somebody who is, um, let me think, maybe has a lot of resources, and they're, but they're getting into the business with a different agenda, like they want to be famous. So I would right. place my bets on the, the guy that has the passion because I know that that person will do whatever it takes to mm-hmm. land those opportunities. So ultimately, to answer it simplistically, it, it is passion and hard work. Right. And um, well, this is more of an um, interesting question. You know, in movies like, um, especially superhero movies, which is why it's so cool that you worked on Aquaman and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, what's the kind of budget like for visual effects? Is it like incredibly high? <laughs> Oh, good question. See, like, uh, we don't really get to know the specifics of the budget, mm-hmm. but I do have to say that the trend in filmmaking right. in general is always cheaper, faster, better. <laughs> mm, okay, so, that's interesting. So, yeah, which is not necessarily a good thing, but that's what yeah. most production companies are always looking out for. Like, they want something done faster, cheaper, better, you know, yeah. So does that lead to, like... um? Lower quality artists being hired. 
because they might be cheaper and you know well yes and no usually the ones that do the hiring of the artists are the visual effects studios themselves and they like to hire high quality talent what ends up happening is that the studio ends up using their own funds to pay these people or to pay for the sustenance of the project which is why you hear some news of a few visual effects studios even big ones closing down after a project wins an Emmy or like a, an Oscar because of yeah. that, that kind of flaw in the business model. So, right. so yeah, it's, I know it's kind of sad, but yeah, no, it's sad as well because it's, you know, it's like, yeah, you kind of, um, kind of got capped out of some money, right? Yeah. Basically. Wow. All right. Now, can you have, do you have any distinct cool or fun memories from those productions? Um, other than meeting the governor from The Walking Dead, right, yeah. not re- not really, but everything was fun to me, so it's hard to decide. So yeah, yeah, it, w- it wasn't anything that really stood out from to anyone else, but to you, it was just cool being there. Yeah, exactly. Now you have a a specific interest in a visual, uh, sorry, VR virtual reality. Um, can you speak about that and what kind of sparked that interest? Um, so that was by accident, actually. Um, I was working at a tech startup in San Francisco at the time, and it just so happened that the visual effects jobs dried up. So uh, one day, a VR startup in Los Angeles reached out to me and said that they wanted me to try this thing. So I was like, oh, you know, why not? I, I wasn't into VR at the time, so I figured I'd give it a shot. It was around 2015, so I... I left the tech startup and went back to LA, did that, just ha- just so happened to be good at that. And then I got more um, offers from the VR industry after that one single instance. So that's basically what happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. So how does how does VR like how does VR tap into your creativity differently from um, visual effects? Um, I would say it doesn't have a really distinct difference to me. It just so happened that my visual effects skills transferred to VR very easily. Um, So that's really what happened there. It was just a transference of my application of visual effects skills to virtual reality. Virtual reality. Uh, Do you have any specific projects you worked on and and, uh, uh, what you did within those projects? Um, Yes. uh, The one I can say is probably the one that was the VR startup which I had. Basically, we created. Yeah. So it was basically a uh, VR experiential tool that allowed people to rewrite and redesign a reality of their choice. Um, and how that came about was when I was taking the bus in LA. And I know that most people say the transportation sucks in Los Angeles, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I noticed that people on the buses, they tend to have like a permanent frown on their faces as if they hate their lives or they hate their jobs or yeah, both. Well, it's quite a very high possibility. Exactly. Right. So I was thinking like, <laughs> yeah. what What if there was a tool like a VR landscape that allowed this sad, angry person to literally control and create their own reality? So that's how the project came about. Well, I think uh, the next two questions would have been, um, what is the... What is the uh, limit on VR? Is there a limit on VR? Because I was thinking that that's that's kind of what I think a lot of people envision VR to be, right? Basically putting on a headset or whatever it is and uh, living a different life, right? Yeah. So how, uh, well, what happened um, to the business itself? 
Okay, so for me, that startup, well, basically, there wasn't enough traction for one. And um, I guess on the part of marketing and promoting it as well, it wasn't as successful as we like basically planned it out to be. So uh, in 2018, I made the decision to kind of call it a wrap and basically close that startup. Right. But uh, what was the feedback like in terms of the idea itself? Uh, well, in general, there wasn't enough market traction. So there wasn't enough oh, users that wanted right. to use it. To actually try it, yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Right. And uh, well, what was the uh, estimated cost point that, would, that you would have um, silvered at? Wait, I'm sorry. I don't dare answer the question. What, what was the, um, um, you know, well, you would obviously sell this product, right? What was the, um, the cost that you estimated you would sell it for? Oh, this people. one, the initial was actually completely free. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting then. I, I would have tried it. <laughs> I know, I right? Tried it for free. That's why I that's, think that's, it's... That's really weird. Because exactly. people, uh, I think like, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but the next question was really going to be, is VR ever going to be, you know, affordable, right? Because I have a, I'm a video, I play video games. So I see these VR headsets and they're pretty expensive, right? Yeah. So, you know, do you think it would be affordable? Uh, well, most likely in the future, give it about mm -hmm. five years time. So, yeah. You think five years? You think five years and, and um, technology would be so advanced that it would be kind of cheap? Uh, five to seven years, yes. Okay, that's interesting. And what, 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 why do you think um, that would happen? Is it just it would just be so much more um, available, easier available? Uh, I think it's like because technology is always changing so rapidly, and it, it usually doesn't require that much time for it to develop into something that is not only possible but also cheap. So right. usually, um, like that time span, based on my experience in the industry, is very short. So I give it extra five to seven years just in right. case. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, are you still working on anything in VR or have you kind of gone back to your to your visual effects? Um, I still do VR, but it's not it's not like anything serious or anything. So, so yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, uh, have you played any uh, VR games? No, actually, I don't really play much games or VR uh, games. <laughs> you should try. Yeah, you should try Half Life. Uh, Half Life recently. Well, you know what Half Life is? Yes. Yeah, all right, good. Yeah, you should try. Um, you should try their VR game that came out. I heard it's really good, but again, VR stuff costs money, right? So yeah. Um. Now, what do you think uh, the future kind of holds for VR itself? Well, uh, interesting. Do you think we could end up in a matrix scenario? <laughs> uh, well, interesting question. So I get asked that question a lot. I would say it's um, it's possible, but it would depend on how mass effect situations play out. Like this one, for example, the pandemic, right? It's causing people right. to hop online easily. Some of them do it very naturally, while others are breaking the rules or guidelines by going out and having fun regardless. So there will always be a mix of people who are okay with staying in, AKA or doing VR and stuff like that, um, while there'll be others who still want to experience the tactile world outdoors. So I would say it's a mix. Yeah. I think, um, what's the name of this video game movie? Did I wonder if you saw this video game oh, movie. Oh, let though. me guess. Um, Ready Player One? Yeah. I, I'm thinking of that kind of movie concept in my mind now, like where where everyone's kind of tapped into VR and then one guy has saved the world before um, 
you know, humans are under mind control. I don't know. That's my uh, that's my that's my conspiracy theorist in me. But I stay inside though. I stay inside for Yeah, that'll be interesting. I still think there'll be people that wants to like touch things, so they'll probably have to go out sometimes. So Yeah, so, yeah. I, I imagine um I was most people who are at least active, you know, physically active would have yeah. to, you know, put that down and, and a lot of people like to live in the real world as well, right? You you, that's you true. as you said in the LA bus you saw a lot of sad people, you know, <laughs> but but I'm but you were happy going to work, right? So, yeah. so you know, yeah. that, um, not everyone would want to tap into the VR. Um, so talking about the unfortunate demise of the company, can you talk about how you uh, coped with the failure mentally? Well, I would say that I looked at it and looked at the company and the business objectively and saw that it wasn't working. Now, the thing that I noticed, too, about businesses and startups is that most people uh, sometimes, well, maybe not most, but some people tend to get too attached emotionally to their businesses, yeah. Um, yeah. but they forget that the whole point of having a business is, it's you know, money. yeah, exactly. Well, not only yeah. to provide a value proposition to customers, but also to make money. So for right. me, when I saw that it wasn't working out, especially since we're giving it away for free, after a set amount of time, I decided, okay, objectively, we'll call it a wrap and then we just move on. Right. So what did you learn from this, um, you know, this entire venture? Well, I learned that nobody cares how much effort, time, capital or hours you put into your startup. <laughs> it's true. Right. It's true. You know, if, yeah. it, if it doesn't serve a need that customers are willing to pay for, nobody gives a crap whether you spend or invest 100,000 or like 10,000 hours a day. Nobody cares yeah. because if it doesn't fill their need, they're not going to care how much work you put into it. So, so yeah, mm. that's the, the cold hard truth. And that's what I learned. Yeah, that's the interesting thing because uh, like if you're into sports and stuff, you hear athletes say, you know, I work so hard on, uh, you know, you don't see the time I put into practice, you know, so most people don't see the time that you would have put into that project. But, you know, if that athlete didn't win and you didn't give them what they wanted, they didn't really care, right? You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, it's, they it's only a, care very, about the, um, exactly. They only care about the, the result. Results. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and what and if it, if it fulfills their need, so that's really interesting. And um, so, um, what's your next kind of move? Is it back to VR, uh, back to visual effects more uh, more predominantly now? Well, um, basically, right now, the one that I can talk about is like I teach visual effects on online platforms like Udemy and stuff like that to about right. over. 48,000 students from wow. 177 countries. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Um, so that's what I do today. And of course, I still do visual effects, but all that is kind of confidential. So, so that's yeah, all I know, of course, yeah. 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 But um, you've also been um, on TED Talks, right? Yes. How, how was that experience like? It, it was fun. Um, I never thought I would be invited to one. And I believe I was the only foreigner, non-US citizen there. For this, as okay, a that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, and how did that kind of boost your, um, you know, your um, market value? There should be a better word for that, but market value is the only word that comes to mind right now. <laughs> like, did that did that boost your um, people wanting to hire you and stuff? In terms of um, um, in terms of marketability and stuff. For public speaking, yes. Not for visual effects. So visual oh effects. no, yeah. Yeah, visual yeah. effects is still a portfolio driven thing. Right. Okay. That that's understandable. Um, but now you've you've written and, and and produced a few few movies yourself. Yes. How how was that experience like? It what was, was your a, writing experience like? Well, I can definitely say I don't like writing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> why would, is that? Uh, I just don't have the patience for writing. Um, I would hire someone to write, but but for the the movies I've produced so far, yes, I wrote it myself. But but personally, for me, I don't like writing. And how how would the uh like how how would you go about the process of writing? And is is it that you first gather the ideas and then start to write, or what was your writing process like? Uh, interesting question. I've never had to think about it in this sense, but I guess I would say like once I have the idea, I just start writing. <laughs> right. No, no, no. I mean, writing is really just what comes yeah. to mind and, you know, putting it, putting it on that um, yeah. pad. But that's, that's one of my biggest problems when it comes to being creative, like to actually start. So what made you actually want to start? You know, I, what made you actually, you know? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it depends uh, I guess on how interested I was in the idea at the time. Like I just start. That's all. That's all. Right. Yeah. No. That that's easier said than done in today's society. Just starting. I, you know what I mean? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but what do you have to like on that note? Um, do you ever like f- not feel to do something? You know? Do you have troubles with procrastination? No. Any of those thoughts? Wow. No. Well, you're you're a different breed because in today's society, a lot of people struggle with those things, right? Yes. You know, anxiety, fear. Um, well, I mean, depression is a whole different, you know, ball game, but all those kind of mental stuff. So, do you have any of those kind of struggles, mentally speaking? Um, not that I would remember. No. Okay, that's 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 interesting. Um, and final question, I guess, what do you do today? What are you currently uh, kind of working on? Just the uh, just the teaching and some visual effects works? Yep, that's basically that's basically it. You guys can find me online too if you if any of your listeners are interested. So. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'll, I'll get it out to some um, visual effects people. Now, uh, I have a last little section here called rapid fire questions, which is basically, you know, you just answer whatever quickly comes to mind, right? Yeah. So what's your favorite song? Favorite film? Sweetie Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> right. What's your, what's your favorite uh, song? Uh, Gorillaz, Feel Good Inc. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a cool one. Um, what are you listening to right now? Uh, you basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, what, I'm kidding. What? I'm joking. My my serious answer is probably some random Russian song from a band I can't pronounce. Russian song? How do you get into Russian music? Uh, random, I guess. If I like the tune, I just listen to it. So they... uh, you're, you're one of those, alright. That's understandable. Yeah. Uh, who who do you want to have dinner with that or life? Uh, Christine Lagarde. She used to be the head of the International Monetary Fund, and I now believe she is the president of the. European Central Bank. And what what interests you about her? Um, that she's a woman in a really high-ranking position. So mm. I'm interested to know what her experience is in that kind of position. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of food can you eat every day? Fish. And I also do eat fish almost every day. <laughs> yeah, I like fish too, but it has to be a softer fish. What kind uh-huh. of fish do you like to eat? Uh, actually, I like all kinds of fish. I'm not biased. Oh, you're, are you a pescatarian or do you eat everything? Well, yeah, I would say I'm more of a, like a fish lover. So I don't really eat chicken. Right, um, yeah. More more fish. Right. Uh, well, what have you been eating in the uh, pandemic? How has your pandemic life been actually? Normal, really. Is, it, is, is Singapore pretty strict on it? Um, yes. They recently implemented a law that everyone that goes out has to wear a mask. Right. Um, but to me, like, it's just a normal day. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, yeah, because you're you're inside. But how is the uh, population dealing with it? Uh, most of them are doing the usual panic buying, complaining, 
blaming the government you know yeah i don't understand i don't understand their perspective it's it's something that's okay if it's one country like if it's singapore alone being affected and you know maybe you could understand but it's the entire world you can look to america you can look to england you can look to everywhere else in the world and realize it's not just us so you know what i mean yeah the entire world is shut down so why are you what are you complaining about i know but that's human nature i guess yeah it's human nature and and the thing is to your life now is I mean, if it was the 1500s and we had nothing but books, you know, maybe you would complain. But you have internet now. Just sit and watch some movies, watch some Netflix, play some video games, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean. I I don't understand. I don't understand, really. Yeah. Um, uh, What is your what is your best trait? Uh, This is a tough one. I would say industriousness. So basically, I trust my ability to make the best and most productive use of my time. (laughs) Right. You would say you're a really hard worker. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I could say that. Yeah. Uh, what can you work on within yourself? Uh, most likely my patience when it comes to people. So mm, I have people. <laughs> yeah, I would I would say I have a lot of patience when it comes to my own work, but right. less so when it comes to people, especially stupid people. So. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that people who people who aren't on your wavelength mentally and like aren't working at your pace. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand that for sure. What was your, I assume your childhood dream would have been to be in visual effects, but do you have a more specific one? Uh, actually, no. My, <laughs> it, it, like, I mean, we're talking about like when I was super young, when I was younger than 14 and yeah. what I wanted to be when I grew up, actually, I was, I've, I've always been into detective novels and mystery type of things. So I did think about, well, not seriously, of course, becoming an investigator or yeah, detective. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to read a Hardy Boys book, so I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite superhero? I don't have a favorite superhero, but I do have a favorite supervillain. Which is? Loki. Oh, yeah, that's 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 cool. <laughs> He's cool. And uh, well, then who? What's your favorite superhero movie? Would oh. it be Guardians of the Galaxy? Would it be Aquaman? Or would it be uh, something else? That's a hot one. Um, I guess I would go with the stereotypical Avengers. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> I mean, mine would probably be uh Batman. So. Oh yeah. Okay, Batman's cool too. Yeah, I don't have a really favorite movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, worst job you've had? All right. So I don't know how censored your podcast is gonna be, but. The worst job I ever had was rotoscoping a bunch of vaginas. What? Yes. So, so the tech. So I just, I don't know if you're gonna censor this. So the tech <laughs> startup I was working at in San Francisco before the VR startup. Uh, that startup was all about sexual wellness and exploration. So they hired mm. visual effects artists to outline, basically just to clarify for your listeners, um, rotoscoping is the outlining of a shape. Of wow. on, yeah, frame right. by frame. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting job. I don't think it's a bad job, but I guess well, actually doing it would be, you know, unfortunate, well, right? I, I mean, to me, when I say it's the worst job because it's so mundane, it's like right. you just, just go <laughs> exactly <laughs> from one tool to the next. Yeah. You just go frame by frame and outline the yeah. shape of a vagina. So that's, right. yeah, that, that, yes. that, that would be boring, mundane, yeah, for sure. Um. What is your dream car? Dream? I don't know. Any any kind of? Do you have a dream car? No. No, actually, yeah, but I do have a dream bike. I would probably say the Harley Davidson. Oh, so you're more into motorcycles and vehicles? Yes. And you actually use a motorcycle right now, or no? No. <laughs> what, what's the uh, what's the method of transportation in Singapore? Uh, well, they have a lot like buses, trains, 
bicycles. The, the, it's quite, yeah, it's quite efficient. It's quite yeah. Efficient. No, I I want to go to Singapore. You always when I when I see Singapore, I always see that um the uh, pool at the top of some hotel. Oh right, they always show that yeah. off. It's yeah, really expensive. Yeah, no, I, I I can't afford it, but that's my dream hotel. <laughs> By the so. way, the pool, I, I've heard that it's called the infinity pool and yes. the bottom is glass. So people yeah, eat yeah, yeah, that's at exactly. a restaurant, yeah, they can see yeah. you swimming. So you, yeah, so you go, you go, um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Infinity pool is when I think the, the top overflows, right? The top kind of overflows onto something, is it? I don't know. I, well, but yeah, it yeah. always looks cool. And I've also also heard about um, Singapore is the um, the fact that you have to be really clean. Like you can get, is it true that you can get charged for like littering and stuff? Yes, if you get caught. <laughs> right. Well, be, well yeah, yeah. It is. It's, hopefully, it's a deterrent enough to um, have a clean place. Well, it is. But, it is. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I would I would be interested in coming to all of Asia to be honest. Um, but of course, I would have to probably have to be next year because who knows when oh. airports are even going to open up. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask. Like, I I didn't. I don't think I found out where where are you right now? Which part of the world are you? Oh, I'm in I'm in Trinidad. You oh. Even, okay. You even know where that is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I was expecting U.S. or Canada, but I'm I'm now like enlightened that you're not. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I have a Canadian passport, citizenship. Oh, uh, I've been I've been there like three times. I've been to Miami. I've been to New York. I've been to oh, Canada. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Have you been anywhere in Europe? Um, no. Ah, uh, you should go to Europe. Europe is very, very cool. Soon. Europe after, would. Europe the- would. Um. Yeah. Europe would. Um. Europe would spark your creativity, especially places like France, Switzerland, uh, Italy. Those places are architecturally speaking, you know, different levels because it's it it's it's so ancient, right? Like yeah. You know. But then again, Asia as well. You can, geez, I've, I've never been to China or Taiwan or Singapore or anywhere there, but you see it on TV and it looks cool. You know, it's such a oriental kind of designs, right? Yeah, it always looks cool on TV. So. <laughs> yeah, but I guess now mainland, I mean, like, like mainland uh, China and stuff and Singapore in these cities are actually kind of boring, I guess, because well, it looks like New York, just big buildings and a lot of people. Well, I guess it depends on where you're coming from. Like, if you're born in in that country and or in that city, it will be boring to you. But I guess for you, it might be totally. Yeah, no. When I went, when I, when I see those tall buildings, I'm like, wow, you know, wow. So, um, all right. Final question. Although this was supposed to be rapid fire, kind of went <laughs> away from being rapid fire. But uh, what is a uh, success to you? Well, it's self-actualization as a human being. So basically achieving your fullest and greatest potential as a human being. All right. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. I hope you had a good time. Yes. And um, well, what do you want to promote or what, what kind of where, where can people reach you? You know, that kind of stuff. OK, so I guess you guys can find me on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter, although I am taking an unannounced break from Twitter, Instagram right now. Um, and also you guys can find me on my website at www.laoviki.com. All right. Thanks so much. Um, I hope you had a good time. And that's the end of episode two.